Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? We're going to talk today about Constitution Day. One of the top five holidays of the year is today. We have guest commentator and author Roger Simon joining us about his new book called Goat or The Goat, The Dems Direction, O'Rourke, Sanders, and Warren. And finally, we'll talk about why impeach Kavanaugh. And I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And welcome again to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. Today is Constitution Day, which is a great holiday in this country. We are celebrating the 232nd anniversary of our Constitution. And in honor of that, I want to just tell you two quick stories. One is, last night, my husband and I had the pleasure of having dinner out with some friends of ours. And this, it was a small group at dinner, and the woman in the group, uh, who's my peer, my friend, was telling the story of having gone back to Cuba with her own mother having traveled back to Cuba. This woman's mother was a Cuban native. She was actually uh, persecuted, imprisoned, tortured, uh, and eventually escaped to America and became part of this precious country. She vowed never to go back to Cuba, but had decided a few years ago, especially since Fidel Castro was gone, she would go back because she had a lot of relatives she, want, uh, she wanted to visit before they were all gone. So my friend, sitting at dinner last night, and her mom went back to Cuba just a few years ago. She was describing staying with some friends in uh, Cuba. She didn't say what city, but she was the only one. Staying with some family and that this woman I was talking to and her mom had actually gone out and purchased a television as a gift for their family. So they had a television on, watching whatever was on, and my friend started just talking a little bit. She's very politically active. And she started talking about just a few things happening in America. Several of her older relatives jumped up, put their you know finger over their mouth in the, in the shh, Form and uh, turn the television up to blasting high level. The reason was because in Cuba, they still have people in neighborhoods all over that country who genuinely earnestly spy on their fellow Cubans and report to the government of Cuba, the still repressive communist government of Cuba, what these neighbors are saying because you can't say many things you're not allowed to say things you're not allowed to encourage people in fact i did a little bit of research about what people can even see on television on cuba what they can get access to very very limited most television programs are the cuban government you know essentially propagandizing their people very very hard to get news from the outside still today even by the internet although people are working to open channels of communication but the concept of an inherent right of free speech, which includes the right of speakers on television and in communities and in households to speak is foreign to that country, foreign to the government of Cuba, in contrast with America. Second quick story was I read online and I brought out, I looked, started looking at other constitutions around the world. I just want to share a few lines from one particular country's constitution. They have lines in their constitution 
like the idea of talking about freedom of their people in their constitution. It's the responsibility of everybody to abide by the principles of law that considers the freedom and dignity of humankind to be its highest objective and facilitates the growth and development of man. They have another article in this constitution is the wondrous and exalted status of human beings and their freedom, which must be endowed with responsibility before God. I could read, I have, if you're watching on video, I have all these little stickies sticking out. There were at least a dozen references in this lengthy constitution online to all the way this country reveres and honors freedom and how freedom is such an important thing. And this constitution is from the country of Iran, which has, as you may know, virtually no freedom, which has political prisoners locked up for life for nothing or for very little or for even daring to comment briefly about their views about the Iranian mullahs and Sharia and Islamic law in that country. I tell you those two stories to say freedom is rare and precious. Our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, it's a rare and precious gift to live in this country. But just because the government puts into the Constitution or your history recites in the Constitution that you have freedom doesn't mean you do. They're just words on a paper. They only have meaning and relevance and power to the extent every generation speaks up for freedom, defines it in their generation, insists upon it as against censors, as against people who want to silence anyone who disagrees with a common political narrative. Freedom is a, is a precious gift we have in our Constitution, but it is a gift, it is a meaningful gift, only to the extent we fight to protect it. And that, my friends, is today's first five. We're turning now to our guest. I'm so excited, honestly, so excited to have this guest joining us. Uh, he'll um, join us by phone, and this is a very famous American uh, and just a uh, Interesting, interesting character, Roger L. Simon. He is, uh, he is the founder, one of the founders of PJ Media, Pajamas Media, which was one of the first uh, online sources of news, kind of the continuing pushback against the uh, mainstream media and against and and kind of a play on you can be reporting news and and um, contributing political con you know contribution to political thought in your pajamas at home. He's also an author of 13 books, um, and they are um, 11 fiction, two nonfiction. Uh, he also has the interesting background of being a, a conventional liberal who has become a well-known conservative. He writes at PJ Media great pieces, and he has a new book out called The Goat. And so that we're, we're going to talk with him about today. Hello, Roger Simon. Hello, and great to be here, and I really enjoyed your first five. I only had this to say, that I was in the Soviet Union twice, uh, cultural exchanges in the 80s, at the same time Bernie Sanders was there uh, for his honeymoon, quote-unquote, and while he was enjoying the place, people were coming up to me and whispering in my ear, these, these are Soviet writers, Roger, can you help me get out of here? Oh. Unfortunately, I could Unfortunately, I couldn't, of course, but um, uh, Bernie and I had an opposite experience. I wonder whether Bernie was in the real world. Anyway, <laughs> that anyway. Is, what a fitting and great story. What a great story. Um, yeah, and you know, a little piece I had, there are few countries have this honoring of free speech as we do in America, very few. Well, we, you know, what was the famous line you attributed to Franklin? 
after the Constitution, they came out and he told the people, it's a republic if we can keep it. Amen. Well, yep. you guys, it's our job. Anyway, part of the reason I wrote out the goat, but not, not an overtly political book. It's an entertainment. It's funny. It is it's funny. It's yep. a guy. The story of a guy in the 70s who's played tennis his entire life as his hobby finally makes it to the finals of the tournament in his club uh, and his back goes out something fierce in the first game he's taken to the hospital the doctor says gotta operate uh, and the woman in the corner from India or Nepal or somewhere says do not do operation always makes worse go see my cousin Gombo in the valley of course the guy the guy's a westerner so he just has the operation but the woman's right and he he thinks his life's over He's ready for suicide, but he goes out to the San Fernando Valley near L.A., and he meets this Ayurvedic doctor from the from the pole of the gosh, getting getting teas and herbs from the Himalayas, and he gets younger, and he goes back to the club, and the ladies are always saying, Dan, you're looking good. But <laughs> uh, it goes on from there because he has a second life. Now, I'm not going to describe much of it to you because you have to read the book which you can get on Amazon. But uh, it, it's, it's got a great moral to it, even though he gets to play tennis with Nadal and Federer. And, um, you know, it, it, but it's like uh, the people at Powerline blog describe it as a cross between Faust and damn Yankees. <laughs> so, I, miss, I miss that review. I love Powerline. I've had that one, John Hindrock on my show. I love him. Miss that review. I will find that one. Well, I will tell you, usually... It was John Hindereko. He, he was the one who wrote that. Okay, I will, I will track that down. Well, I'll tell our guests, and I was, this is one of my first questions. I was going to go into this story, but I think it's an astonishing gift you have, and some authors have, to be able to write things that are funny. I mean, it is... Many people have serious thoughts and, and deep thoughts, and they're rational, but if you write them in a, in a kind of kludgy, clumsy, or, or dictatorial way, it's not entertaining. And I, Is that like something you could teach other people how to write to, in a funny way, or is that just you either have it or you don't? Uh, I gotta say the sad truth. Okay. You have it or you don't. It's like a voice. I okay. mean, you can't, you can't, you can't teach someone to be Johnny Cash. I'm not going to sing. I'm Johnny Cash, but you know what I mean. I mean, uh, what one of the problems that that uh, we conservatives have had is that conservative business people have not been good at financing the arts. They're particularly bad at it, except for maybe. You know, the Philharmonic, but uh, Beethoven still doesn't need any help at this point. But contemporary artists do. And since since culture as uh, and politics, as Andrew Bartbart said, is downstream of culture, we're making a big mistake, but we've got to do it. And someone's got to change this. But I, being funny helps. I mean, because it's a way to get through to people. Oh, it for sure is. And, the, you know, I, I read in bed all the time. We, I get to bed, sleep at night, and my husband is snoring away. And I love to read things that make me laugh. <laughs> Sometimes I'm thinking, I need to get up and go in another room because I'm seeing being so distracting. Love how you write. Very funny. But on a serious note, I think that even though it's fiction, this has an appeal to people in our time in America because we have a bit of an aging population and 
there has just been that quest since time began to look back at your life and you say, gee, I, I, I didn't do everything I could have or I made a few mistakes that seemed to be so consequential. If I could just do life over. So there's an appeal to your story because many people think along those lines. You agree? I, I agree. Uh, thank you. And that's why, why I wrote it. I think almost all people at one time or another think about that. I mean, that's why there have been so many, you know, great great books and movies and novels and plays about a second life because everybody won't, but what I try to point out in, in The Goat, which by the way is not about a Billy Goat, it's about the greatest of all time, G-O-A-T, which is a famous acronym in sports now, uh, is that, you know, what makes for a great life maybe not what we think it is. And you don't have to be the greatest of all time. You don't have to be president or something to have an impact. And you don't, and what it is that makes for a great life is something very personal and deep. And I, anyway, please read the book and you'll get my message on that. But I think you had a hint of it there. Sure do. And I meant to mention for our listeners what the GOAT stands for, the greatest of all time. It's a great, um, I mean, people do use that term, especially in sports. It's very trendy. Um, and so I, I love that you spoke about that that, that way. The other thing I was going to mention is so um, is, is so appealing about, it kind of appeals to your the life in America today is people have issues and they want to find some magical perfect solution and you know in the beginning where he's saying when he's getting the injection he's saying i should i should have eaten more turmeric i mean that's like i mean i don't know why that struck me as so darn funny but in any case the concept of people thinking there's some magic thing it's just this magic tea or this magic drink and and you know there, there's just deeper things in life than making your life perfectly perfect and free of all health problems and free of all aches and pains and, and I, I love that you kind of got at that in your story too no, thank you. I mean, no one escapes it. No one listening to this show at this, moment, at this moment will ever escape it. We all are human beings. From the, you know, from the president to the guy picking up the garbage each week. We all, we're, we, life is difficult for everybody, and it's got. But it, you can also look on the sunny side. I've been watching the uh, great this uh, Ken Burns series on PBS about country music and. I think, and now that I live in Nashville now, I used to live in L.A., and I'm beginning to think that those people those who wrote those songs, you know, they understood that, was, that issue. And yes. That's why we love it so much. Absolutely true. Well, you know, you, I mentioned in our intro, so uh, friends, I will tell you, listeners, I purchased, I, I did something I don't usually do. I downloaded onto my iPad. I have the goat there, which I really regret because usually interviewing authors, I like to have the paper copy in front of me and all my stickies lined up. I don't quite have that, but I do urge you to get this book. Fun to read either way. But I'm going to turn also to your writing, if I may, uh, Roger Simon. We're speaking to Roger Simon. Two, um, on your writings on, on PJ Media, which is one of the great sources for conservatives to go to. You had two pieces I wanted to just briefly uh, talk with you about. One is uh, you have a, had a piece, I don't know, it was a week ago or so, or September 11th. Democrat nomination is Warren's to lose, and that's dangerous. First of all, could not agree more. Barring the entry of two other people I think might get in the race, I, I think she'll get the nomination. And I and so why is that uh, dangerous? Uh, because she seems superficially like an intelligent person who has it together with them. What she has to offer is uh, a form of a version of socialism that will destroy our culture and our society and our economy and everything else. 
and it's kind of scary to me. Oh. And I hope to help Trump beat the pants over. I think he will. <laughs> yeah, but, but go ahead. But you know, it, it means everybody's got to pay attention because there's a country out there called Venezuela that elected someone with policies like this, and look what happens. Absolutely true. Who's the richest? Who's one of the richest countries in the world? Yes, absolutely true. And just brought to ruin and wherever it was, 20, 25 years. Well, I worry about her election be- or her receiving the nomination because, uh, number one, as a tiny factor, she has a very pleasant voice. A lot of people think, oh, it's just so soothing, which, I mean, I, I don't care for anything she stands for, but I think that appeals to people. But secondly, there are certain, there's a niche among women who think the first woman president would be the most important thing ever. And I'm always saying, it doesn't matter the either gender, any background, what matters is what they believe in. Her ideas will destroy America. So I think women need to be especially vocal about pointing out what is wrong with her policies. I, I, I find them, and she sells them in such, wasn't she the one who had the, um, what was her thing early on in one of her speeches? Uh, you didn't build that. She's the one, you didn't build that, right? I think that was Obama, but she probably ripped it off of him. <laughs> but you know, the, 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 the thing about, what you're, I completely agree with what you're saying. I mean, if you look at it realistically, if you vote someone, vote for someone because they're a man or a woman, you're a sexist. In other words, what do you you pick? And if you vote for someone because they're white or black or brown, either one you pick, you're a, you're a racist. You should be voting for someone whose policies you think are the best. Yes, and harking no back to my... what what their skin color. I mean. I don't care what the, I never think for a second what the skin color or the sex of the candidate is. None of those things are important. They're policies of what you're voting for. I could not agree more. Yeah, policies, and then I always go back to the idea that ideas that spring from and are consistent with the Constitution, because we're going to talk a little later in the show after after we're done talking, you and I are speaking, about uh, some of the things that Beto O'Rourke is proposing. I mean, there, only in the fantasy world could you think these ideas are legitimate under our Constitution, but we just kind of have a, we lost our tethering to the Constitution, this idea of any idea I think up that maybe could sell people uh, and I could get more votes, good enough for me. That seems like the entire Democrat Party's mantra, which is is concerning. Your other piece you wrote, I want to give you just a second. I love your writing, first of all. It's very succinct and and fun. Um, The other piece I mentioned, I think when I, connected with you earlier, it's called Election 2020, Will America Be the New China? And the answer is no, but I mean, seriously, I'm more and more concerned about that, the inability to, yeah, go ahead. China has uh, something that some of your listeners may have heard about called the social credit score. It's it's a new way to be fascist uh, off of the internet, essentially. What it does, is that it, it, it gives everybody in the country, they haven't gotten to, to everybody yet, but obviously they have the biggest population in the world, so it's not so easy. But everybody gets a score, a social credit score, that, that it judges them about everything, to whether they jaywalk, to whether they say anything against the government, to whether they forgot to pay the bill at the department store last week. So you're, you're, you're just a rated human being, and if you don't rate highly, which means if you don't, like the government, you can't get a loan, you can't get out of the country, etc., etc. Now, that same thing is being created in our culture by Google, Facebook, etc., in a slightly different way, but maybe even a more dangerous way because 
we don't realize how bad it is. Oh, yes. It's worse. It's worse for our kids. It's it, terrible. I watch this. It's the worst thing in the world for people. I mean, people as old as I am grew up in a totally different universe. But kids that are growing up today, that were born after 9-11, are just used to everything being monitored online and everybody knowing exactly everything they're doing. And everyone feels left out. It's a depressed generation as well. I could not agree more. And as you know, as our listeners know too, you know, Google and, and YouTube and Facebook, all those entities, uh, they are not the government. And so it isn't like you can make a First Amendment argument directly against them because they aren't the government. The First Amendment is there to you know, protect the people and their right to speak. In fact, Google is kind of defending itself saying, hey, this is our expression. We have the right to do it. But it's a very dangerous um, uh, entity in our public, kind of in the whole political conversation in America, a dangerous player. And you're right about young people. I'm sorry. What were more powerful. They're oh. more powerful than any government. That's the, yes. Yeah, Google is all over. It's global. I mean, it's global in an instant. Google and Facebook are, are bigger than the governments. It's changed. And, we, and no one, you know, when they wrote our laws, could conceive of such a thing happening. Because it was hard to know. But look what's happened. I mean, we got to start to really think about this seriously. Roger Simon, I could not agree with you more, especially your comment mm -hmm. about young people, because we're we're at the age we have three young adult children, and and their peers, their generation. When you say, "Gee, it's so creepy," you know, mm -hmm. I I looked online one time to try to find a I wanted to re replace some dishes that broke, and then for the next however many days on Facebook, pop up ads. Hey, you want to buy such and such dishes? Go here, discount price. They monitor everything you do, and you're and and some people in the younger generation are just saying, "Yeah, isn't that cool?" It's just so so efficient it's so cool it's so dangerous i'll let you closing shot on that nope well we don't have any privacy anymore and uh, what does that mean to the human being what does it mean to his or her head it's spooky when you think about it i mean we used to assume privacy in yes. our lives a certain a certain zone of it but now we don't i mean anybody anyone who writes, writes an email has lost his or her privacy Anyone who, anyone who sent a text message, you've lost your privacy. Yep. Well, that's Every, a whole... It's all there. Every Everything can be found. Roger Simon, first of all, I agree, and I agree it's alarming, and I wish more Americans were alarmed, and I would love to have the government figure out what can they do about it. It's a very interesting uh, tightrope to walk between uh, protecting people's privacy and um, deciding whether or not they, how much they can interfere with these private companies gathering the data. Anyway, Roger Simon, what a great book, The GOAT, Greatest of All Time. That's an acronym for GOAT is Greatest of All Time. Fund, and you can order on Amazon, right? You can order on Amazon. The only thing you can't order today is the ebook because there's a little tech clips. But the hardback and the paperback you can get, and right now, you'll be able to get the ebook in a couple of days. It's just been, uh, it's lost in a computer file. <laughs> and uh, in a few weeks, you'll be able to get an audio version as well. Oh, that sounds fun. Is it your voice? No. Not yours. Okay, I'll tell you. I have it on my iPad, so at some point you could get it, and it does have a little oddness or something wrong with the layout at certain points but you can still read it anyway roger simon great book thank you so much for joining me you're welcome bye-bye bye-bye
Folks, I tell you, that was a very fun interview, very fun guy, and really quite a treasure in America because he is a guy who's gone from, he's seen the light. He's gone from being a Hollywood liberal to a conservative commentator on PJ Media, a great author, and as, as he, you're hearing us discuss, he writes in an entertaining way. So you're a little more inclined to keep reading through to get to the deeper moral points he's making, to get to the points he makes in his article. So really enjoyed having Roger Simon join me today. The two other stories I want to, or the story I want to turn to next has to do with how far uh, the Dems direction in this country, just how far the Democrats are headed off the American plantation. And I want to start with, and these clips are just coming from, and I'm doing this today because it's Constitution Day, I'm going to start with our uh, Beto O'Rourke, which I will uh, confess is here from the great state of Texas. But he's not a Texan in his heart. I'm just telling you, folks, he does not believe in the liberty, the spirit of self-reliance that Texas is famous for. Beto O'Rourke, though, had n numerous uh, interesting things. First, I want to play uh, a clip. This is actually from his Twitter feed, uh, he, a speech he gave recently to some young people. And if we could play that. Here's a tough thing to talk about, though we must. Rich people are going to have to allow uh, or be forced to allow lower income people to live near them, which is what we fail to do in this country right now. We, we force lower income working Americans to drive one, two, three hours in either direction to get to their jobs, very often minimum wage jobs, so they're working two or three of them right now. What if, as we propose to do, we invested in housing that was closer to where you work, very often mixed income housing, meaning the very wealthiest are living next to those who are not the very wealthiest in this country, to make sure that they can both afford to go to the same public schools, that we really have that as a place where in this divided country right now, you can come together without regard to your income or your race or your ethnicity or any other difference that should not matter right now. Okay, you tell me how that proposal could possibly square with the concept of America, the idea that we're founded on the freedom of the individual, the right of the individual to live in liberty, the fulfilling of the idea that we all were created equal, that we have rights from our creator to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This guy running for president on the Democrat ticket, he actually thinks it might be his job to decide who must live where. And he's not alone. You might think he's the wackiest or the most leftist of the Democrats, He's not. There are proposals under the Obama administration and the, and the Federal Housing Authority talking about forcing people to move into certain areas, forcing others to move out, forcing the mixing of rich and poor, getting after realtors if they do not meet standards and targets, affirmative action type quotas in neighborhoods for getting people of a certain skin color to move in and so you have a more racially diverse neighborhood, punishing realtors for not working toward that mission. These people on the Democrat side have not one clue what the idea of America is. Not one clue of the idea that America, a country founded on freedom, the declaration saying the purpose of our existence, the purpose of government's existence is to protect the individual, to protect the individual's liberty. He's saying, you think you have liberty? Beto O'Rourke saying, no, no, no. I'll tell you where you'll live and I'll decide who lives where and how close people get to live. And he talked about it in his tweet as a right. 
He used the word as a right. He may not understand this, but in America, our rights are spelled out in the Bill of Rights. They're not spelled out by Beto O'Rourke, who comes up with these crazy ideas and thinks he can define the Bill of Rights and add one that says you get to live near where you work. As you know, it's Constitution Day. We have the Constitution passed in 17, or signed in 1787, making it 32 years old. We have the Bill of Rights in 1791, a little over four years later. The Bill of Rights spells out freedoms. He's talking. His whole worldview is not about protecting your freedom. It's about government-controlled society, government-manipulated society, government deciding where people live and who get to live where and who must be punished and who must be forced to live next to somebody else. The guy should be running for president of Cuba, not America. Second Beto clip. This is also our friend Beto a Texan in name only. He's most definitely not a Republican. Uh, he is a Democrat, but he's a Texan in name only. This is his clip about uh, gun control. You said, quote, Americans who own AR-15s and AK-47s will have to sell them to the government, all of them. You know the critics call this confiscation. Are you proposing taking away their guns? Hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15, your AK-47. We're not going to allow it to be used against our fellow Americans anymore. Okay, again, I understand that after every time we have a horrible shooting, we have a lot of discussion about gun control. People on the right tend to point out that we in our country have per capita fewer guns than we did 150 years ago, but we have more violent shootings. And so we ought to be looking at the causes, the conduct, the, the cultural trends, the cultural thought that is the real cause of this violence. And instead, he's going to grab your gun. And let me just say to you folks, even if you buy into the argument, well, who needs an AK, you know, who needs an AK, whatever they are, AK-15, who needs that? That's none of the government's business. It's not the government's business. And please understand, if we go give in to this, if we give in to, sure, you can have these certain guns, all that will ever happen with the American left is that more and more and more guns will fall into the description of outlawed weapons. More and more and guns will fall into that. There will not be the opportunity, there will not be the opportunity in this country to pull back our rights, to, grab, to get our rights back again. The left is about gun grabbing, gun control. They are, he, he is more open about it, more honest about it. Beto is, the whole left thinks this way. The idea of their mission includes taking guns away. So leftist mentality, again, completely disconnected from the whole concept of our constitution, the concept of the second amendment that says we, that people have the right to bear arms. And the Supreme Court has ruled that's exactly what the amendment meant. It didn't mean only certain people or only if you're gonna use it for hunting or only a certain number. It meant you have the right to keep and bear arms. And the second amendment is not about enabling citizens to be able to go hunting. It's not in the second amendment to protect duck hunting season. It's not a second amendment even to allow you to defend yourself in private context, although that's a good reason that we have the uh, second amendment on, in, on display. But it's also, it's important to understand, we have a Second Amendment as the basis, as the reason, at, to give us the ability 
to keep the balance of power between the citizens and the government. It is not about duck hunting or even about self-defense. It is about preserving the balance of power between we the people and the government. Just ask the people in Cuba why they can never stand up against a repressive government or Venezuela or Russia. Look around the countries in the world or even in Hitler's era. The, uh, Hitler was one of the first things he did. Take Nobody can have weapons. Understand these have vast consequences for the future of freedom once we say that the leftists like Beto can take away guns. Last point, again, Constitution Day and our friend Beto O'Rourke. We have a clip uh, about the border. Here's Beto talking to someone on the border. Um, the border has never been as safe and secure as it is now. I want to pass along from a, a, a question from a congressman who does not represent the border, but he is in Texas, Dan Crenshaw, who's a new member of Congress. He's been very outspoken in favor of the president's agenda on the border, particularly. Right. Um, and he wanted to ask you, he tweeted this, I'm just passing it along. It's not something yeah. like he didn't text me. Um, you know, would you, if you could, would you take the wall down now, here? Yes. Like you have a wall. Absolutely. Like, knock it down. I'd take the wall Had down. Okay. Sorry, my, uh, my iPad's trying to flake out on me. Okay, what I want to say was, on this take down the wall thing, this is not just Beto O'Rourke having complete disdain for the idea of the Constitution, or the idea of limited government, or the idea of what rights consist of. This is Beto O'Rourke saying, we don't need borders. I couldn't play the whole clip, and you've seen that, I'm sure, before. It was several months ago. In fact, I think it was before he even declared he's running for president. But portions of that interview, he was saying, yeah, it's really cool. We live in El Paso. People can walk over the border all the time. Why not? We live in an era where our southern border is flooded, not just with people from Mexico coming across to do business or maybe work and go home, but flooded with people from Central America flooded with, as we talked about in the show last week, we have people on the ground in Mexico enabling Islamic terrorists from the country of Bangladesh to get into America. We actually caught a trafficker who had helped, I think it was 118 Islamic, probably terrorists from the country of Bangladesh, Bangladesh being rife with former ISIS, former Al-Qaeda, it is a basic national security emergency that our southern border is not secure. And his view is very much consistent with most of the Democrats, if not all the Democrats running for president. What they're telling you is they don't want a country. They have, we have to hold them accountable for the words they are saying. They don't want a country. They don't want to have borders. They want to have anybody who wants comes in and hey, what the, what the heck, we're a big party here. So we have Beto O'Rourke. I used to give this award to Bernie Sanders and say he was at least the most honest uh, Democrat socialist. And he is probably still the most honest Democrat socialist. But Beto O'Rourke is telling you what the left-wing worldview is. I don't think in the privacy of their own homes, the other Democrats on the ticket, with a possible exception of Biden, would in any way disagree with what Beto O'Rourke is saying. He's just getting more desperate because he's polling at zero or something or two. So he keeps being more outlandish, more extreme, more anti-American. And honestly, no one on the Democrat side is calling him out. No one is saying, hey, you know, Beto, we actually have to have borders. I mean, you can't have a country without borders. No one's saying that. 
all the, the Democrat contenders for president, with maybe Biden as an exception. No, Biden got onto it too, or onto the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal we talk about many times in this country. It's not a bill yet. It's just a mammoth proposal would completely shut down this country, would constitute the imposition of radical socialism, very quickly leading to communism because no one's gonna comply with what the left is trying to do. And this is, this is not the Occupy Wall Street Looney Tune protesters. This is not a tiny little segment of radical communists out in, out in Berkeley somewhere. These are the contenders for president of the United States of America. And we have, you, they all are onto the Green New Deal. They're all onto these ideas of lapsing, letting the border lapse. And they're all onto, and they're just, they're all about gun control. I'm telling you folks, we live at a perilous time because these precious rights in our constitution, the idea of a constitutional republic is at stake. If any of these jokers were able to get to move into the White House as president of the United States. This in 2020 is going to be one of the most consequential elections of our times. Last story for today, I wanna just tell you a little more. We mentioned the Kavanaugh uh, hearing and the, uh, the Kavanaugh uh, effort by the New York Times. They, they had a new book out with new authors um, and they were trying to kind of come to the defense of the uh, uh, Blasey Ford, who is the doctor who made allegations against Kavanaugh as a nominee. I gotta tell you, it's kind of funny what happened. So these two New York Times reporters wrote a new book, all proud of themselves, and they're bringing out, well, there really was so-and-so, she maybe was credible, and they're trying to push that these Kavanaugh accusers, who all have been completely discredited, but trying to bring them, resurrect them, maybe one of these people is credible. Well, now at the New York Times, they're in the middle of a circular firing squad because the authors of the book are claiming that what that they did include information that made clear that this last allegation they're trying to uh, wave the flag over actually involved an alleged victim, a woman, who said, I have no recollection. I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, she essentially is rejecting the allegation. So New York Times, they're all in a fuss because, and, and Trump is taking advantage of it, of course. Trump is tweeting away saying, you know, at some point these people, you know, maybe the old gray lady has to shut down. Trump had to say, I call for the resident. <laughs> This is a tweet from Trump. I call for the resignation of everybody at the New York Times involved in the Kavanaugh smear story. And while you're at it, the Russian witch hunt hoax, which is just as phony. I mean, he's really letting him have it. And this whole, but on a serious note, this Kavanaugh thing, this is not being dropped just because this latest New York Times effort, you know, emerged and is immediately shot down as false. There is actually an ongoing effort to not only bring down Kavanaugh, but to um, work, actually contemplate the idea of packing the court. You had Kamala Harris, another one of the Democrat radical leftists running for president, who is doubling down on her bid to get an impeachment proceeding started in the Senate against Justice Kavanaugh to remove him from the Supreme Court. Even though every allegation against him has been disproven, all it is a bunch of angry people, but she's actually issued a letter to the, uh, I don't know the name of the committee, but she, uh, she asked the House Judiciary Committee Chairman so she, Senator Kamala Harris, is asking the House Judiciary Committee Chairman to institute 
impeachment proceedings against the um, against trying to get them to start impeachment proceedings to take Kavanaugh off the Supreme Court. There's also activist groups on the left sending out emails. One of them got leaked to all their you know, left-wing followers urging everyone to keep pummeling their House member and their Senate member. We demand impeachment of Kavanaugh. We demand he be removed. All of this because at the core, Kavanaugh is going to vote to uphold the Constitution. That's what it's about. He's going to vote to uphold it. The left is livid because they can see that they may have another, Trump may have another opportunity within the next, you know, before the election of 2020 to appoint another Supreme Court justice. And then there'll be an even firmer block of conservative majority on the court. The left's trying to stop that possibility. They're also trying to make good candidates men and women who may be very competent should be considered for seats in federal courts, district and circuit court, and eventually Supreme Court nominees, trying to make good and noble people afraid to be nominated, trying to cause them to fear ever going through the nomination process because everything you did wrong since chewing gum in second grade is probably going to be out there for the world. And, and folks, let me just be clear, nobody's had a perfect life, nobody. Nobody has a perfect life free of all wrongdoing or at least free of things that could be twisted or contorted into wrongdoing. So what this Democrat pressure is about is to put fear in the hearts of conservative lawyers and judges in this country so they will decline if they're ever offered the potential to move on to the Supreme Court, to be nominated for the Supreme Court, to say, we will, you talk about scorched earth, they, this, what they did to Kavanaugh was just skimming the surface of what they will do to whoever is next nominated should a seat become open while President Trump is still President Trump. So I'm telling you folks, it's a very, um, yeah, a very, very alarming, uh, conduct by the Democrats and actually done with the most smug, self-righteous, we're standing up for America as they're trying to demand the impeachment of a guy who's done nothing wrong. And I frankly think they all know it. They don't really think these crazy incidents happen. They think they've got something, some issue that's going to make women voters upset in this whole Me Too world, women voters upset because Republicans are confirming some, uh, justice for the court who has at some point in their life been the recipient of a of an allegation of wrongdoing and even and honestly any as we saw as we saw in the Kavanaugh nomination anyone can make an allegation of wrongdoing anyone can be the victim or the recipient of that kind of allegation and, and then you know you're just you really have to have thick skin to get through it last thing before I turn to that, that why it matters to you so there was a rally last night in New Mexico President Trump was at the rally I just have to share these numbers with you too darn fun for words New Mexico rally the uh, president's um, campaign director I believe it was Brad Perscall put this out from New Mexico 45,000 people registered to get tickets 45,000, so hugely popular. 94% were, were from within New Mexico. 78% of registrants matched to a voter file, meaning they could actually, of these people who registered to go, they could identify them in voter files. So almost 80% of the 45,000, they could find them in voter rolls. Of those people, over 20% voted in only one or zero of the last four elections or put the positive way, a large number of those haven't voted before. A large number of those haven't voted before, but they showed up. They tried to get a ticket at the New Mexico rally. Also, 
52% male, 48% female. This is huge, as they say, for our side, because the American left keeps telling us that women are not going to vote for Trump, women are going to go for the left, and when you have, of this, 45,000 people who registered to get tickets to hear Trump last night in New Mexico, almost half were female. This is got be making the left nervous. 40% were Latino. Another thing that's going to make the left crazy. And the final one, which I want to say for the end, because it's just incredibly exciting, of these 45,000 people who showed up at the, or tried to get tickets to listen to President Trump in New Mexico, 31% are Democrats. I'm telling you folks to close and we're gonna to move to why it matters to you. But the Democrat party is putting up such crazy ideas such crazy policies, such crazy arguments, abandoning our border, arguing that everything should be free. It is starting to sink in to the American people. The Democrat Party, at least these candidates running for president, are off the deep end. They're only relatively sane candidate, relatively on the American playing field candidate, is Joe Biden, who's suffering from extreme confusion most of the time as he's doing public speaking. I do not wish confusion, mental confusion on anyone, but he makes them nervous for the whole different reason because he doesn't seem like he has it mentally together. But the other majority Democrats, the, the, other, the majority of the candidates, radical leftists, and those numbers and others I've seen, I'm telling you, crazy is not playing well in the Democrat voting base in America. Now we're gonna to turn to why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And that's why I always love to do at the end of the show, tell you why they matter to you. So to start with, we had the story of Constitution Day and our Cuban dinner. The US Constitution's unique in human history. Unlike any other, the letter and the spirit of the Constitution must be understood. The spirit of the Constitution demands respect for truth, freedom, and for we the people. Americans must recognize Freedoms of this country are not normal or customary in the world. It they're exceedingly rare, must be protected. Recognize we get to define and claim what freedom means. The Iranians think they, or they claim they have freedom too, but you can hear it's not freedom. There is no better alternative than our constitution. And at this Cuban dinner last night, the other thing was very interesting. Daniel Webster said in 1805, hold on my friends to the constitution and to the republic for which it stands. Miracles do not cluster, and what has happened once in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. About the direction of the Democrat Party, take away your guns. Actually, now they're at least admitting it, and more and more of them are on board in some way or another. Tear down U.S.-Mexico border wells, walls, establish open borders, Medicare for all, pure socialism, anti-Semitism, BDS, oh, I didn't even talk about that. Sanders has hired as an advisor, Sanders, who happens to be Jewish, has hired an advisor, Linda Sarsour, a Muslim Sharia-supporting anti-Semite. That's how desperate Sanders is. Linda Sarsour hates Israel, hates Jews, and she is supporting the Sanders campaign. Go figure. Anti-Semitism as policy, reparations for slavery, unworkable, forgive student loans, all these things that can't work, but the Democrats are desperate to tell you how much they will give away, which means 
really means how much they will take away from you. These people have no earthly clue about the uniqueness and meaning of our Constitution, and that Constitution is actually a hindrance to their plans. Democrat candidates must be rejected. Impeaching Kavanaugh, why it matters to you, not one allegation against Kavanaugh has ever been substantiated. Not one. All these crazy, and you have, in fact, many have been disproven, and the people are being subject to prosecution for perjury who made these false allegations against Kavanaugh. These attacks are beyond smearing. They're orchestrated. They intimidate Kavanaugh against voicing or writing conservative opinions to dissuade cons good conservative men and women from seeking judgeships, set the stage for court packing or other dem manipulation to control the Supreme Court. The left rarely wins an honest American debate in the arena of ideas. They seek to control society via the courts and conservative justices stand in their way. And that is what the attacks on Kavanaugh are all about. And that, my friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please like this page on Facebook. Please subscribe on YouTube. I love to hear from you. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I love this conversation about the extraordinary, precious gift of freedom that is the gift from our founders to us. Love this precious country. Invite all of you to be part of the political conversation to save it and to speak up for America because America matters. Talk to you tomorrow. Can we talk truth about America? <laughs>